We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights, as usual, are also in the show notes over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the retweets. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the emails. Just thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Kelly Holland, a financial empowerment coach for women and author of the forthcoming book, You Are Worthy, a guidebook for women to help women take charge of their own money. Like many entrepreneurs, Kelly struggled with the problems she's helping others solve. She was a longtime reporter focusing on business and money. More recently, she began writing about her personal finance and started seeing how many women have struggled with money, leaving otherwise successful women feeling incomplete or ashamed. Kelly recounts her own struggles with money when she was in her 20s and what motivated her to take charge and confront the barriers holding her back. The services and programs she offers are what she wished she had at the time of her life. Because she only recently became a coach, Kelly has learned the art of the pivot as she confronted the realities of having to offer her services during COVID. While she's had training in speaking and coaching, she's been limited in what she can do, so she's going back to her roots as a writer to help spread her message. She now offers a six-week program in both a virtual group format and individually. Now, let's get better together. Kelly Holland, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jari. I uh, am so happy you're here. I think you are like the third or fourth in a row writer from She Press, who is run by the awesome Brooke Warner, who's just going to be a Brooke Warner love fest this whole week. <laughs> Every week should be a Brooke Warner. Every week should be a Brooke Warner love fest. But it was just so beautiful because, you know, I met you through a course I did, you know, with them. And um, I said, foolheartedly, I didn't know I was going to say this at the time. I said, hey, pitch me. I'll give you some <laughs> feedback. <laughs> 
I got over 40 pitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like 90 people on the call. Right. And so some, you know, depending on if it was a match, uh, invited some people on the show and you happen to be one of them. And I'm so thrilled, really am to talk about your new book coming down in September of this year, 2022, you are worthy. You know, you're the founder and CEO of own your destiny. It's a financial empowerment for women focus, which I think is super critical. I love that. I love the fact that what you're trying to do is, you know, do some good in the world. But before we get all into that and have a little bit more Brooke Love Fest today, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. I sure will. I'm so happy to be here, Jari. And so my route to this, I you must get a different version of this from everyone you have on. So here is mine. This is a second career for me. Um, before starting my business, I spent over 20 years in journalism at national publications. So I was a reporter or an editor or columnist, sometimes more than one, at the New York Times, Business Week, CNBC. Um, it was always business and money because my educational background is, you know, I went to business school and um, I actually spent a couple of years of my misspent youth on Wall Street. Um, and got a fancy investment management certification. So I always saw so my way into journalism was via, you know, writing about, about business and particularly finance. And what happened was uh, several years ago, I started writing about personal finance, which is really how we all manage our money. And along the way, I started writing about women's financial issues, having had my own history of that in my 20s, um, as many women do. Um, but I, so, and I was writing about this and I realized that the challenges that I had faced and the challenges that many women face are of course structural. We all know about the pay gap. We all know um, about, you know, the time that women take off from work for caregiving and all these things. I don't need to repeat them here, but the piece that people don't talk about so much is the emotional hurdles that women face when it comes to money. And the idea that we internalize a lot of messaging that comes at us from a very early age, that this just isn't a space for us. We're not good at this. We're chronically misbehaving with money in various ways. And so when we grow up and it becomes time for us to take care of ourselves, that is often an area where women feel less than capable of doing that, even if they're super successful in other parts of their lives. So I realized that I had a choice and I could continue writing about this stuff and exhorting women to save more earlier for retirement and so on and so forth. Lots and lots of people do it. They are right. They are performing a valuable service, but there's a piece that wasn't being served. And that is someone who is being really responsive to women's emotional hurdles when it comes to money. And so that's when I went and said, okay, here's my light bulb. I can take all my sort of volunteer extracurricular interest in working with women's groups and, you know, girl scouts and all kinds of women's and girls things. And I can take all that and I can throw it up against my money smarts and I can go get coach training and I can start a business where I don't just share the facts anymore. I also share empathy and coaching tools and all kinds of things so that I can help women, um, get over the emotional hurdles so that they can master the concepts, which PS are not as hard as you might think, but first you have to clear the emotional hurdles. So that's the transformational journey that I take women through. And that's really how I came to this, this work. It kind of melded my professional background, my personal interest in supporting women and girls and, um, and my desire to just 
have something of my own for a change. And yeah, isn't it powerful? Like your own thing is such a wonderful thing. It is. I remember when I when I started my business, I just called myself the founder. And my father saw my business cards and said, founder, it sounds like it's been there for 50 years. And I thought, well, honestly, it can say whatever I want it to say. Yeah, you founder can be whatever you want. That's the beautiful thing. Exactly. You know, I just started something a couple of weeks ago, actually, kind of officially launched this thing called the Story Funnel that I'm working mm-hmm. on with my co-founder, Ravi. And it was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'm the CEO and I'm like, you know, chief bottle washer, head cook, you know, chief head grunt, all that sort of thing. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to say like CEO yet. I'll just say founder, co-founder, because we're still trying to figure it all out. But yeah, it's like, I could be whatever I want to be. Exactly. Pick one. Pick one. Yeah. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of it. And, and so I'm, I'm really curious about this emotional blockage that you talk about. And I don't, my words, not yours, but it seems that, you know, of course, there's systematic societal things about this. I'm curious what those emotional hurdles are. I think, yeah, you used hurdle, not block. So what are those hurdles that you have to overcome? Like, can you, can you take us through a little bit of that? Well, let me just, I'll talk about um, one way to think about it is in terms of mindset. So, so the mentality that we bring when we think about a financial task or um, just the state of our finances. <clears throat> so one might be, Uh, I can never get out of where I am now. I can't change this. This is a fixed state. Um, That's a really hard thing to move past. Not only that, it's demotivating. Because if you think you can never change anything, why would you even try? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another piece is this stuff makes me feel uncomfortable and kind of incompetent. I didn't magically absorb it with, you know, my drinking water, like fluoride. And lo and behold, I don't know these things, even though I'm smart in other areas, I don't want to touch it. I'll deal with it tomorrow. That's damaging in another way. And then, um, you know, where would I even start is also like, if you look at your finances and you feel, Oh, this is wrong. And this is wrong. And this is wrong. Well, what do I do first? That can be disabling. So there are a whole lot of mindsets that you can have um, about just being bad at this stuff or just wanting to never look. If I don't look, it won't hurt me is another one. But you can have a whole lot of these mindsets. And it's not, it doesn't make you a bad person to think these things. But um, but what they do is they keep us from, um, from engaging. And, you know, it's one thing if you don't engage with, say, making your bed in the morning, right? You come home. It's a mess. Oh, well, you go to bed, you get up, nothing changed. But if you don't take care of your finances for a long time, you won't have savings to take care of yourself. Your bills won't get paid. You know, you won't, you know, you won't be able to help your kid with college. Like things start going off the rails. So, so when you have these, and then it's worse. And so then you feel even more overwhelmed and even more reluctant to engage. So so when you have these mindsets that keep you from taking action, it's really a problem. And that's, and that's part of what I want to help women get past. Because the truth is, every single woman that I have worked with is smart, capable, successful in at least one other part of her life. Usually, almost all the other parts. But money is sort of this other thing where, where they just feel... I can't, I'm scared. I danger will Robinson. Later, danger. Right? <laughs> yeah. I've had people say I would rather walk on hot coals than talk about this stuff. Wow. Right. So wow. Right. But remember, 
It's not an unmade bed. It's your right. view. So, so that's, so I'm helping women, you know, find a safe space to talk about these things and a way to uh, learn without judgment and look without shame and chart a path forward with skill building. Hmm. And so they come out with this integrated plan and a degree of pride and confidence that they didn't have before. And, and so is it the majority of the time? Is it just, is it a cultural thing? Is it just like, not like education on that particular thing is sort of not like what you're doing is I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're, you're taking a different tack on the education of it because you understand, Hey, I went through this. I learned all this stuff and I know where the pitfalls were and these hurdles. So I'm going to reimagine this like for my younger self. That's exactly it. This is really a program that I wish I had. In fact, I'm launching a program, a six part program this spring. I offer it a few times a year. So um, it'll be around again in late spring and the fall. But, uh, but the whole idea of the, this is the program that I wish I had in my twenties and thirties. So granted when I, in my, I mentioned earlier that in my twenties, I made a lot of financial mistakes. I mean, get in line. Right. But, but (laughs) Me too. <laughs> but okay, so, and I didn't really know a lot about money when I graduated. But the big thing that was wrong was I had this mindset that money was a source of problems and pain. That's what I had seen in my family growing up. It caused a lot of discord between my father and his parents, and the mess. And you know, he t- walked away from a lucrative career to do something else. And the very clear message I got was money causes pain and problems. And you should not base your life choices on money. Well, at 20, whatever, what that did to me was I finished college and I got an apartment I couldn't afford because I liked it. And I got a car I couldn't afford because I liked that. And I had a job, but you know, I was over my head. And before you knew it, I was putting it generously, living paycheck to paycheck. So I actually had this moment of truth when I was driving to work one day and I was at the top of this little rise and I was about to head down to my office. And I realized that it it would be a good idea for for me to shift my car into neutral and leave it there until I got to work because I was really low on gas and it was a Friday and I needed my paycheck so that I could put gas in the car. So I was literally running on fumes. Oh, Wow. You would, think, you would think that that would lead me to change. Right. But you know what? It didn't. So, I mean, I'm not a stupid person, but, and, yeah. and then I went on and I went on from, you know, for, didn't like that, moved on. But, you know, and then I went to business school and I, you know, did all, and I had all kinds of financial knowledge, but I was still like paying my bills casually, let's just say, you know, I was scared of investing. I was doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I felt bad about myself. So here's the thing. This is what turned it around for me was um, I fell in love and got married. And we decided we wanted to start a family. So I really wanted these little people in my life. And I realized I would have to feed, clothe, and educate them. And that I needed money to make that happen. And so if I wanted to do for these future people what... I wanted to do, I was going to have to get my finances in order. So I 
came across this intrinsic heartfelt goal for me. It's not everybody's, but it was mine. And that was enough. And then I started paying my bills on time and I got methodical about investing and my record keeping got, you know, super clean and, and I got everything in gear. So, but I really, I always thought that this was kind of a personal quirk of mine. I didn't realize that this was a thing that lots of women go through. Um, until I started doing this journalistic work and reporting out, essentially reporting out the story of what goes on with women and money. And it was when I did that, that I realized, okay, this isn't just me. This is actually a a problem that needs a solution. And that's actually, that's kind of a point about being an entrepreneur is when you identify the problem that needs a solution and when you can be reasonably confident that you are the person to provide that solution. And ideally, you're the only person. Right, right. That's a great moment to say, okay, maybe I'll take the leap. Yeah, maybe it's time. Maybe it's like, let's get going. I always say like some, one of my buddies, I do all these endurance events and they'll be saying, hey, let's do this big thing. And I'm like, that's a horrible idea. Where do I sign up? (laughs) I think it's the same way for entrepreneurs. I'm busy. When is it? Yeah, when is it, right? But I think what's interesting is that you, you, you hit on something that I love, and that's like falling in love with the problem as opposed to the solution. Um, and of course, there's solutions. But the thing that I found is that when you fall in love with the problem, you figure out a way to solve it. And it's because one solution may go this way, may go that way, may go this way. But the problem is always the problem. And I just love that because I think, honestly, I mean, you know, you you focus on women and, you know, educating them. But I mean, this is a universal issue. It is. There's plenty of men that have no clue about finance and it could be some of the same things could not be, it could be different, but I like the approach because as entrepreneurs, right. You're like, you find a need and fill it by falling in love with the problem. And it, I mean, clearly you've fallen in love with the problem and then the solutions kind of take care of themselves. So I'm curious, has you, have you seen that, that like you'd have to adjust sort of your approach or? Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. So, <laughs> so the germ of this thing in my mind was what I envisioned was I was calling it money circles and it would be groups of women coming together. This was in the before times. So mm-hmm. physically coming together, meeting, right. talking, supporting each other on this journey to financial well-being and confidence. Okay. Obviously that's not how it turned out, but it pivoted even before that because I realized the whole group thing was um, presented problems of its own in terms of uh, women's comfort with sharing something oh, that could be really yeah good point good point good point um, and that maybe I needed to go the one on one route so I you know I got individual coach training I then did go on and get group coach training thinking I would build out to that as a next phase. But I had right from the get-go, I had to sort of make this one change into just one-on-one coaching. Then I realized I couldn't grow the business quickly enough unless I had some kind of multiplier going, unless I could get myself in front of more people so they could know how I could help them. So I decided to develop myself as a speaker. And I got involved with the um, National Speakers Association. They mm-hmm. have chapters all over the country. It's a great organization. And they had this program, I believe they still do, called Speaker University. And they can they will help you learn, train as a speaker. 
So I was all excited about this. And I saw myself on the big stage. And I had done as a journalist, of course, I'd done a little bit of TV. I'd done a lot of radio. So I was reasonably comfortable. And I thought, oh, this will be great. You know, I'll be under the bright lights. And (laughs) Okay. So if I tell you the timing, you'll get what went wrong. But I finished at the end of January 2020. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh man, talk about having the oh, oh, no. so sorry. Oh, oh, <laughs> I can just feel it in my heart. Like, oh, <laughs> so time for another pivot, right? Yeah, well, it's so funny because, like, this podcast, my original intent was to be like, I'm only going to interview people in person, it's going to be intimate, you're going to hear the background, and it's just going to be this great thing, founder to founder, entrepreneur you know, and I launched it, you know, January, 2020. And then my first episode is March 16th, 2020. And like, that's it. Like I I haven't, I did three live interviews before the lockdown and then the rest of them have been Zoom. (laughs) I mean, I may go back to that. I I, I mean, who knows? Right. But yeah, like talk about pivot. (laughs) I know. Wow. We've all had the last two months. Oh, I know. Wow. So, I mean, luckily I'd been doing a lot of coaching um, as it happened using Zoom already. So it wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't completely new to all that, but it does really change how you connect with people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it does change what people are willing to do in terms of, you know, sort of how you can work with them on different exercises. And so, um, so all of that had to get kind of tweaked and adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, nothing and like, the other thing, yeah. And this, the other thing was this space where, right? you know, this whole space of podcasts and webinars and everything talk about flooding the zone. I mean, you could not, you know, it was, it was really hard to see a way that if you wanted to go that route, you couldn't crawl your way through the underbrush to, you know, to get in front of people. Yes, there is a so, lot of that out there. So, you know, and so what I've done really is gone back to my core skill set, which is writing. And so the book is coming out this September. You are worthy. And it's all about financial empowerment for women. And you can read it and go through the process um, and their exercises and coaching tools and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but um you know, and I'm, I've, I'm writing more downloadable things and, but it's, I think like everyone, it's just, we've all had to pivot and offer different things in different ways and, and be prepared to move. That's a huge thing for entrepreneurs. I mean, you, you can't fall in love with a process that you think it's going to be because the only certain thing is it'll be something else. Yeah, that's why you fall in love with the problem. I mean, mm-hmm. what's interesting about process? So, uh, you know, the process part of it is I have a process I'm going through and I'm putting out maximum effort. And I, the only thing I control is the effort, the outcome. Right. Right. Is like, right. So, in terms of the process, th- th- there's two certain aspects to that. I always, I always love this sort of thing because. I firmly believe that if you're more process driven and effort driven as opposed to goal driven and results driven that you will survive anything because if you're like I'm going to do, you know, 10 speeches this year as a goal and a result 
and then COVID hits and you can't pivot to something else, then your, your process is broken because in my mind, and, and this is why like I rant and rave about like governments and how people organize things, because I'm always about, look, you control the effort, not the outcome. So you only thing you got to worry about is like how the process to get there and make the process as fair and repeatable as possible. Entrepreneurs are the same way, like what you did. It's brilliant. You're like, the pivot is what we do. <laughs> we have to, <laughs> because we don't have a clue what, right. what's going to happen. I right. mean, we don't, we just sort of do, you've got a plan. You have a huge market. You're in love with the problem. Go, go, go. And then like COVID. <laughs> right. right. Well, there goes that plan. Poof. <laughs> and Dumpster fire number thing. one. Right. And look at who I was trying to serve was women, right? Yeah. The ones who lost all the jobs. Oh, who gosh. It's horrible. And with remote schooling, who are the ones, you know, who are picking up all this slack? And what are the businesses, that, you know, the industries that they're in, like healthcare? Any woman in healthcare right now is, you know, stress levels through the roof. So are they yeah. really going to sign up for an extra coaching program on top of that? Right. So, yeah. so the only, the silver lining in this, if you, if, you have your own business is you can pivot and you don't have to worry about, you know, corporate controls or processes or anything like that. When you want to pivot, you pivot. Yeah. It's the hard fork because Mar- my friend Marvin always writes, like he's got this thing on LinkedIn called the hard fork. And it's literally like here, boom, like we're going yep. that way. Right. No, yeah. it's fascinating. You have to, right. And then you mentioned, you know, the, the whole great resignation and really the what this pandemic has done. And I mean, the numbers bear it out and it's a horrible thing. Like, you know, women in the workplace, I mean, unduly and completely cratered. Like it, it, the numbers are just shocking um, and, and, and really concerning because there's all these gains and then literally like it drops off a cliff. And, and that, I wonder if that's part of like the education of finance and sort of like the, the societal, I don't know how to really put this because a lot of people say it in different ways, but I wonder if there's like, you got to change that mindset too. Like, like, so you got like a double thing to kind of battle or I don't yeah. know. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? So if I were queen of the world, I would fully change the societal mindset. So okay. since I'm not. Well, we let's let's do a thought experiment. Why not? Okay, I'll, I'll point out some things that I would love to see sure. different. I mean, if you look at time use surveys, men have absolutely picked up and increased the amount of childcare they do and the amount of work around the house they do. It's not 50-50. Mm-hmm. It should be 50-50. There is no reason that the female partner should default be the one to stay home when the washing machine breaks. So, or, I mean, that's a really mundane middle-class example, but I mean, it just, it shouldn't be, you know, I mean, that it, that, that should be more equal. It looks like that is changing among Gen Z and millennial couples. Um, It can't come soon enough. So another thing is just, and I'll just go, because I come from a word family, but think about, um, the language that we use around money and what coded message that sends. So there's a bank in England that did this, took a look at women's magazines and men's magazines and looked at the articles 
um, about money, to take care of your money, and got a, did, a, did a linguistic analysis. And something like 75% of the articles in the women's magazines are about budgeting and micro-saving tips, like don't buy your latte, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the men's magazines, it's about how if you're an investor, you're powerful, and women love strong men, and you know this is where you belong. And it, it's a completely different set of messaging. And each one can cause insecurities. Oh, I mean, no. Be wrong. And, you know, men have emotional issues with money too. hundred uh, percent. But they're different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's another one. And this is, this is actually one of my favorites. If I said to you, Jari, how do you knit your portfolio? What would you say? Uh, knit? Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> okay. So about, I said, how do you build your portfolio? How do you construct your portfolio? You yeah, get const- it. Right? Yeah. Construct. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what's the difference? I mean, knitting is a traditional you know, women have knitting circles and but it's totally, constructing. You can yeah, start. right. It's just yeah, it's a different yeah, it's a different word. Oh, interesting. Yeah, huh? Got it. Yeah, huh. right. And yeah, target returns and beat the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's competitive. It's more. It's more the competitive nature. Like you know, not to say I think it's interesting because they're going for the you know the 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 gender average for each class. Cause there's always overlap, right? I mean, like oh, you, of course. Every, of we're course. all, we're all quote unquote on the spectrum, right? No, this is more where on the spectrum they tilt. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And I think that's valuable though. That, that's, that's an interesting point because, you know, as a PR and marketing person, when we're talking about messaging and storytelling and they're talking about the target market, what you want to do is hit that emotional cord so that they'll read your stuff. I mean, I like to the lead in journalism, if your leads bad, it doesn't matter if your article is great. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares, right. right? And so what's interesting is that, yeah, you kind of play to the lowest common denominator within the demographic group you're going after. And that because you you kind of realize the societal norms have put you in the box. Like you, there's right. a box and you're in the box. And if yep. I want to get the majority of these people, I say this. If I want the majority of these people, I say that. Yep. So, yeah, interesting. I like that. Yeah. I just want to be clear that I did not come up with knit your portfolio. I just love it so much. It's from an academic paper of about 15 years ago, but I talk about it all the time because I think it's just so brilliant. Well, I mean, you know, great artists steal. So I mean, go, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. It's so interesting. So it really does matter the words we use and it really does matter the, the way it's approached. Because I think, you know, to, 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 your, to your point about this, uh, like the great resignation and the workforce participation. And, you know, I mean, people like families had to sit down, which must've been horrible and awful and like figure out like our world's cratering. What do we do? You know, I mean, and, and in some cases, right. The support network for women in the workplace, as opposed to men in the workplace. I mean, you know, you mentioned the pay gap thing, which, is a real thing that happens. And there's like lots of reasons. I don't know all the reasons, but what's interesting is that let's say you're a family and you're making that calculation, you're financially literate, you're making that calculation. You're like, okay, who works? The calculus is easy. Yep. Right. And, and this, you know, and again, or, or who makes more, right? Who makes who, more, right? Or right. Whose salary can we, is the right. right. Sacrifice. Yeah. And who's and like, and, and it's interesting because I think, yeah, maybe you're right with millennials and Gen Z about the whole. It, it's just so fascinating because we mm-hmm. we sort of get in a groove, right? Like, yes. like, and we all 
are guilty of getting in the groove and it's hard to get out of the groove. I mean, cause you've been conditioned your whole life. Well, what are you supposed to like? It's hard to break through the groove. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can see, I mean, even isn't just like, let's just expand this like a little bit broader. So you're talking about finance for women and you're like, okay, what are the assumptions? What, what are you, what are you worried about? If you just generalize that to like the entrepreneur in a business saying, well, what are you worried about? Like you don't really like, cause everyone's got their skills and you're like normed into it. It's just so interesting that you found like, this is a problem. Clearly it's not being addressed. I've fallen in love with the problem. It's a huge need. You see all the data, you see all the thrash and it's not only like you have to deal with the education of the women that you help, but then it's like, how do you change society? Which is a whole other mix. <laughs> I mean, that is a whole other level. And like I yeah. said, you know, when, when I become queen of the world, <laughs> that'll be at the top of the list. That, that's a tough job, but yeah. I, I mean, know, well, you know, know, like I always love these thought experiments, like, I, cause I'm oh, engineer, absolutely. engineer by training. So for me, thought experiments are the best thing. So when someone says, oh, there's all these bad things in the world, like just name something. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, great. What happens if it goes away? And then they're right. like, what do you mean? I go, right. it's gone. Well now, well, now what? How do you get there? Right. Like blown away that like, well, you got to think that way. Because I think that's what you're doing. You're thinking, how do I educate women about finance to stop this craziness and change the societal norm so that women are more educated and are like on par with mm-hmm. the opportunities, right? Right. Super interesting. Right. But that's also, I mean, that whole thing about focusing on the end point is also important for entrepreneurs. I think like I, this probably happened to you when you had to pivot in the pandemic, but it, I know it did for me when I started having to do, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I really dislike engaging with social media. I mean, not, not this kind of social media, but you know, figuring out which language is going to get clicks and that kind of stuff. I find it, I find it's my job. (laughs) Yeah, but it's horrible. But you know, I, I mean I love language, but that to me that's not lang- that's not language for its own sake. Leaving that aside, I have to do it because I have this end goal in mind. My end goal is a bunch of women who are owning their power in this space and walking around taking charge of their future. That's what I want to create. Yeah. And so I will do what it takes to create that. But I think that's the piece that entrepreneurs need to keep in mind is you are going to zig and zag like a boat on a lake trying to get to the shore. I mean, the wind's going to shift, another boat's going to sail by, something's going to happen. But you, you know, you will zig and zag and maybe you capsize, but you have to sort of get back up, get back toward pointing toward your goal and keep going and recognize that if it's a worthy goal and it's heartfelt for you, that any progress is better than no progress. At the end of the day, the degree of progress is not entirely within your control, but as you said, the effort is. And if you're attuned to, if the goal is heartfelt and you're attuned to the goal and you're working toward the goal, that's what you can do. And then P.S., here's another little factoid I'll throw at you. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Tal Ben-Shahar. He uh, was a lecturer at Harvard and now he's just this renowned authority on happiness. He taught a wildly popular course at Harvard about happiness and his big book, first big book was called Happier. But his one of his core ideas is that 
we're not happiest when we attain a big goal. We're happiest when we have a big goal in mind and we are progressing toward it. That's when we are, if, you know, to go into another jargony space in flow. That, but that's when we are, we are on our mission and doing the thing. And it might not be the path that you thought it would be, but, but that's, it's fulfilling and it's the really surest route to success. Yeah. No, it's like being on a mission. It's like having yeah. a higher good, a higher cause. Yeah. I mean, every time I attain some goal, maybe for like a couple nanoseconds, I feel good. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah. Like that dopamine hit goes away pretty fast. <laughs> it's very like, fast. Yeah. Kind of like the dopamine hit when you eat a donut, you're like, Oh, great. Donut. Crash. Right. <laughs> um, I jest because I love donuts and coffee. Um, but well, I mean, you know, to your point about social media, you know, and your aversion to it, I share some of that. And, you know, as someone who has to do this for clients and help people with it, mm -hmm. it can be very uh, disheartening, right? Because, I mean, you know, you're a journalist or, you're, you know, you're a trained journalist. And one of the things I always tell people is like, you know, when you're walking, you know, when you're in line at the checkout counter and you see like all the tabloid stuff along the wall and you see all their headlines and you see like us magazine and people and inquirer, you know, and everyone's like, wow, like I read them what these, you know, those are the clickbaity headlines, right. The, the leads that everyone hates. But when I, when I like try to teach people how to do copywriting and like stuff, I go, you should read those. And I go, you should also read Cosmopolitan and all, and, you know, Allure and all of these magazine articles, because see, what, what are they doing, right? They're like triggering something off and everyone gets all pissy because they're like, it's bad, right? I don't want to be clickbait. And what you don't, right? But this is the thing that's really fascinating. What I've found is the people that have really good content like what you have, like you're like knowledgeable and very well-written, like the things, the stuff's nailed, just awesome. If you just write really well, over time, people come to you because they, they like the authenticity. Not a lot of people. So, you know, you get the snack clickbait dopamine hit and you don't deliver. They get really upset, right? Even if your stuff is like this, not clickbaity thing, but it's really good content, you win the long game every time, every single time. So don't get too frustrated. Don't <laughs> 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 bury the lead either, right? Like all these journalism <laughs> things, geek out a little bit. You know, everyone's like, exactly. what are you guys talking about? I thought we were talking about <laughs> finance, you know? Crazy, you know? Exactly, exactly. So this has just been... Wow, I just I love I love the mission. You know, it's it's just fascinating. I mean, how have you seen it progressing? I mean, you know, like been doing this for a while. What are some of the things that are resonating with people? I mean, how do you get them past the hurdle? I mean, what 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 have you found that's been like the aha moment or just because I asked this because a lot of times entrepreneurs like like you said Grind, 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 pivot, 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 grind, grind, pivot, pivot, grind, grind. This is grinding me down. I can't really, you know, right. Right. there's always that little like inspiration of I'm onto something. Have you had any of those? Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, I mean, I can talk about individual clients where you just, you can see it in their eyes when they just, you ask the question 
that makes them stop. And um, I can feel I'm doing it right now and sort of look away and really look for the right word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their voice sometimes even changes. And then what comes out is what they really feel. And if you can unlock that for someone and help them feel that what they feel is great and wonderful and not shameful or bad. Right. And the, the person they see in there is worthy. Everything changes. Mm-hmm. So really it's when I can build self-trust in people, that's when the switch flips. Self-trust. And it could be self-trust about just, you know, finding your steady keel. It could be self-trust about how you make decisions. It could be self-trust about, um, <clears throat> whether you can take care of yourself in the future, you know, believing that you're capable of that. But when you, when I can help women find that self-trust, then we're off to the races because the truth is learning about just, you can manage your money. You can manage your investments in ways that are just not complicated. It just doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, plenty of people out there would love to help you make it complicated. Yes. Right. But it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be super time consuming either once you get it set up. So once women start trusting that they're capable of this, that they deserve it and that it it will help them get to where they really want to go, then the rest is just, you know, we're just powering through the lessons and knitting it all together and stitching the plan. And that's really great. Yeah. So it's really appealing to the, you have to get the, remove the emotional barrier or whatever that block, and it could be different for different people. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's like heuristics and, you know, these types of folk and whatever, but like, removing the block then gets to the point where they can like absorb the information. Right. So it's when, it's when that happens, that's probably the, to me, that's like the magic moment. Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, that's interesting because that's how like storytelling for your company, Mm -hmm. your your content, that's what your content needs to do too. So it's fascinating. I think about it because what you're trying to do when someone interacts with you or your brand or you're like a you know, like say you're a you're an entrepreneur and you're pitching your company or whatever you're doing yeah you have to unlock the emotional block or you have to remove the emotional block that that person has for whatever you're saying mm-hmm. and they come with preconceived notions about who they are who you are i mean that just met you i mean i just met you right like I, and what this, you know what we're going to talk about which could just be you know about as appealing as can peas and yeah. <laughs> Uh, can peas or spam yay <laughs> oh, God, budgets great yeah great oh man can i put a knife in my I eye told you hot coals i know uh, it's like people in public speaking it's like i'd rather die than be in a public speaking you're like really that's that that bad well yeah some people are yeah you know they it's funny people come on this podcast and before we do like the little pre thing they're like are you going to edit this and i'm like no we don't edit this at all <laughs> What do you mean? What happens if I screw up? I go, you won't screw up. You'll be fine. But I may be, I'm like, don't worry. It'll be cool. Don't worry. I'll be fine. And then they're like, we get to the end. I'm like, see, we're done. And they're like, really? <laughs> so, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like over, it's, I love this because from your work, right? So, so this is, the, oh man, this is great. I've never thought of it that way. There's an emotional hurdle barrier lockage. Okay. Yes. Before anything can get absorbed, it doesn't matter what it is, that 
gate has to be opened so that exactly. you can accept the things that are coming in. The knowledge, exactly. The knowledge. So you can like, you know, feel the knowledge. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Interesting. Interesting. That applies to a lot of things. It applies to a lot of things. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I really like that. Wow. This was great. I learned a lot. <laughs> I really appreciate it. So your next time. time you do one of your endurance events, you can go and say, okay, I'm worthy <laughs> and I'm headed for the goal. And I've got a 10 mile mud run and I'm doing it. Oh yeah. Well, I'm doing one in September. I don't know how I got talked into this, but I always get talked into it because I'm like the kind of guy that says, Oh, that's a horrible idea. Where do I sign up? I'm doing a, a I'm signed up for a 40 mile mountain race in Colorado with a couple <laughs> of buddies and I'm like training for it. And like COVID has not been kind to me in my rigid, my fitness regime you know, the, the night, the COVID night, the 19 in COVID-19 is how much I've gained in weight. And it's a long story. Right. <laughs> and so, I mean, serious, it's, it's horrible, but, uh, but yeah, like, oh, I got to get motivated to do this thing. But there's a, to your point, there's an emotional block. It's like, do I really want to train for a 40 mile race? Like what's motivating me to do this. And I've done this before. I've done all these endurance things, like ridiculous, silly stuff that you're like, you're a knucklehead. Why in the hell would you do that? Right. Like you're, you're crazy. Well, there was always a why behind it. And I unlocked to your point, I unlocked the emotional to move into it. Right. But then once you have that spark, then you can accept the rest of it. Then I'm like, okay, got this training plan. Like today I had to run. Today's my long day running. Okay, I got to go run long. Uh, I don't want to want to run long, but I'll think about this or that. So it's so interesting. Well, wow. You know, wonderful to talk to you. Can't wait to see the book. It's called You Are Worthy. It comes out September 2022. I think you can pre-order it on Amazon. Of course, you're with She Writes Press. Yes. And we gush about Brooke on the show because Brooke's awesome. We love Brooke. And there should be more Brooks in the world. Um, and more you in the world, helping women thank with their you, finances. Right? So thanks. Stay safe. And uh, yeah, love, love what you're doing. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Kelly, for the wonderful conversation. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think we got to talk more about these, uh, these issues and how um, we can help all sorts of people get better, especially what you're trying to do, helping young women uh, manage their money better. Now, As promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Kelly. While acknowledging the need for social change, Kelly focuses on where she can help. That is helping women remove their internal barriers around managing money. Whether it's for yourself or for those you're serving, identifying what emotional hurdles need to be overcome is a critical step towards transformation. And that is very true. A lot of times, you know, you don't even know what internal struggles or barriers you may have. And I think as entrepreneurs, right, we're always trying to like figure out the want, the external want to really satisfy the need or the internal need, you know, inside, inside yourself. So, you know, ask these really tough questions in terms of your own um, barriers, right? What's holding me back? What is my attitude towards this thing? Is it something I can work on or not work on. I mean, you know, in terms of like what, what Kelly talks about, I mean, money, it's really not 
that hard. But if you have always, if you've grown up in a situation or in a, in a household or in a society where, you know, that's something that hasn't been kind of, you're not used to it, you're just going to feel weird about it. So think of those things when you're working on your business as well. Watch your words. Language, sorry, language can be powerful shapers of thought. Kelly gives the example of how different thinking about money might be for a woman. If, for example, they thought of knitting, quote unquote, a portfolio rather than building one. Sometimes tweaking a word or phrase can make a big difference. And yes, words matter. Sometimes, you know, the way we grew up or some of our, you know, societal uh, pressures or and or attitudes will um, make us think like, well, I use that word. Why is everyone so upset? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes in communication, well, actually all times in communication, um, the real trick is you need your message to get through to the audience. It doesn't matter what you say. It's what they hear. Now, sometimes this can be tough for people. And of course, in all sorts of cultural things, you know, words matter. And we're going through something pretty crazy right now with all the words mattering and, you know, cultural shifts. So really ask the question to, you know, when you're trying to address an audience, you know, what, are, where are they at? What, what do I need to do in order to get my message across? If it means changing the words a little bit, your job is to communicate the idea. It's not to say the words you want to say. So sometimes can be tarred, and yeah, it sometimes changes very rapidly. Um, and I think we all have to just be kind to each other and compassionate. If, you know, you mess a word up, just, hey, sorry, move on. Like, you got to be educated. So um, not to say that you shouldn't, you know, completely, like, devolve your personality, but you got to be sensitive to it, especially if you're communicating your ideas. Don't fall in love with the product. Keep your eyes on the end goal and pivot until you find products that work. So yeah, I mean, Kelly's has a perfect example. Wanted to do all of these workshops in person, COVID hit, boom, it's got to go virtual. So what I mean by product is, you know, product and services. Um, sometimes you need to change how you um, sort that out. And it's really uh, the thing that I've always felt and a lot of people we've talked about on the show or has talked about on the show is fall in love with the problem. Because if you fall in love with the problem, the process, the, the products and services doesn't matter as much. Although you should have a pretty solid process in order to figure out what you want to do. Um, you just can't be willy nilly. So sort of ask yourself, what problem am I solving? How can I solve the problem? Don't fall in love with the way you're going to solve it but fall in love with the problem. So really understand the problem. I think that's the, the key thing here. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from my awesome interview with Kelly. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA 
and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.